One of the things about whoa, hello, there we go. <laughs> Good morning. How you doing? Um, one of the things I love about Grace Chapel is its commitment to the next generation. And you're going to hear in the next few weeks some stories of this past month of uh, mission trips and and ways in which God is being glorified through the generation coming. But there's one more uh, way we're going to champion the next generation, which is this elementary age uh, five-week program we have called The Ride that's going to start this Wednesday. And it's a, it's a terrible, awful thing. We're going to the beach, water park, with kids, so it's really bad for us chaperones. It's going to be miserable, you know. Um, <laughs> It's going to be a beautiful thing, actually. We're going to take five Wednesdays, bring um, up to 50 children. I think we've actually hit capacity that we have all of the children that we can register for this. Take them on five different trips and spend the day mentoring them, gaining influence, just hanging out and illustrating Christ's love for the world through just practical living life together. And it's going to be an amazing journey. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited that we have 50 students and that they're not all Grace Chapel students. They are students from the community and the area. We've been able to to blitz the elementary schools before school is out. And we have children who don't know Christ coming to join us for five Wednesdays. It's going to be great. We need your help, though. In preparing for this, we have done all of the legwork that we possibly can to get ready for it. However, some of our expenses are going over because we have all of the students we could take, but we don't have big buses or vans that can take them there. So we're having to add additional chaperones to our events, and we don't want to have the chaperones who are making sacrifices for gas money and whatever else have to also pay to get into these events. So you see these shoes that are on the front, and they've represented students that we want to take on this, that there's these little green tags that by you making a financial contribution, you can get one student on this event. We want to translate that now that in order to get the students on the event, we need to be able to get the adults who can mentor the students on the event. And so if you would make a sacrifice, no matter how much the money amount, $10, $15, $25, it costs $50 to get one person through all five events. That's just how much it's going to cost for all five weeks. And if you could help offset that cost, one, that would be a great sacrifice that could make this event happen. Two, if you know of a 12-passenger van, an 8-passenger van, something a bigger vehicle to where we can get more people with fewer drivers and fewer vehicles that we have to actually take and pay parking for these events. If you would see me, myself, Emily Kelly, or Meredith Landers out by the ride set up, with, which has the, the umbrella as soon as you walk in, um, in between services, that would be the second way that you could make a sacrifice that would be able to, to help us and benefit these children. And third, if you would just begin praying now that lives would be transformed, that children would begin walking in the light as children of the great king. That would be the most beneficial sacrifice you could make is to pray daily for the ride, that we don't just have five events that kids feel good about, but that we have five Wednesdays that build community in the kingdom of God and actually change the lives of the next generation because that's really why we're doing this. So we just wanted to invite you to partner with us in this momentum that's carrying and starts this Wednesday morning um, at 9 a.m. We'll have 50 children here ready to go to the beach and, and spend time with us and hopefully in a new relationship with God. So please join us in that and, and sacrifice where you can. Again, we'll be out here in between services if you have information. You can also bring the green tags with your sacrifice to that station as well, and, um, and we can put that toward this ministry. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Chris. I'll tell you what, they're doing an amazing job in our children's ministry, um, not only on Sunday mornings, but the things that are happening outside of Sunday mornings are truly amazing. So I'm really excited at the job that our, our 
our children's uh, ministry people are doing. They're exceptional, exceptional people. And I'll tell you what, if, if, you're, if you've been coming to the church, you're not really sure to get, where to get plugged in, children's ministry, great place to get plugged in because it's not just about, you know, the, the, the heart there is teaching those Sunday school classes, but there's so much more that is going on outside of the Sunday school classes that we need people to be a part of. So you can be praying about that as, uh, throughout the summer and connect with one of our children's people. Uh, we are continuing our series, Summer to Serve, Being God's Hands and Feet. And again, if you, were, if you weren't here earlier, that's why I'm wearing these flip-flops, because every week I want to wear a different pair of shoes to remind you that we need to be God's hands, that we need to be God's feet, because we want to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was here, the question is, how did he live? What example did he set? We see from the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry that he had words of encouragement and hope for those who were hurting, for those who were in in desperate need. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, I find it enlightening and I find it very interesting that Jesus singles out the poor here. He singles them out. I mean, he focuses on the poor. Now, there's absolutely no question that the, that the good news of the gospel is for everyone. Rich, poor, and middle, doesn't matter. The good news of the gospel is for everyone. But Jesus wanted to make sure that the poor understood how close to his heart, how dear they were in his heart. And he wanted to make sure that the poor understood clearly that this gospel that he was preaching was for them. Because in many cases... The poor, that's what, I mean, you know, in America, you think of poor, it's a little different than other parts of the world. In a lot of parts of the world, the, what, what's going to happen next after this life is more important than what's happening right now. That's what they have, that's what a lot of people in this world are looking forward to. They want to know, they want to know that there's something after this life because this life is so difficult. And Jesus comes and says, it is true, there is a life after death. And I have come to preach good news to the poor, that you can have eternal life. And Jesus wanted them to know, you are close to my heart. And this gospel is certainly for you as well as everyone else. Throughout the New Testament, we find Jesus responding and and just spending a lot of time with those who were lepers, who were weak, and and, and people who were just, you know, considered uh, undesirable. However you want, whatever person you want to put in that category. But Jesus spent a lot of time with the undesirable people. He healed the sick and the blind. He fed the hungry and he warns us, doesn't just tell us, he warns us as his body to do the same thing. In one of the most challenging passages of scripture, sections of the Bible, those who do not feed the hungry and clothe the naked and take care of those who are sick will face God's ultimate judgment. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, it says this, 
when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be uh, all uh, and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you as stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you or sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then they will say, then he will say to those in his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Why is this so important? Why is it so important? It's important because as, as Psalm 146 points out, it is central to God's nature and character to care for the poor and the oppressed. I mean, we have to understand theologically what we're talking about here. You know, when we talk about helping the poor and needy, it's extremely important to understand as the body of Christ why it is so important that we help the poor and needy, those who are sick, those who are in prison, those who are, who are weak, those who can't help themselves. Why is that so important? Because it is central to God's nature and character to care for the poor and the oppressed. In Psalm 146, verses 5 through 10, we read this. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. The, in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. According to Scripture, defending the poor, the weak, and the fatherless is, is an expression of God's essence. That's an expression of his essence, an expression of his nature, of his character, an expression of who he is. That is what our God, that is part of who our God is. A God who defends the weak, a God who cares for the fatherless, a God who looks after the widow, a God who cares about those who are poor and who are hurting, who are suffering. That is part of God's character. And if it's part of his character, it needs to be a part of our character. It needs to be a part of who we are. In Proverbs chapter 14, 31, it puts it this way. He who opposes the poor shows contempt for their maker. For whoever is kind to the needy honors God. But again, the only way to, true, to truly to, to, to understand this is to study the life of Jesus Christ. 
to, to understand the life of Jesus Christ, to truly understand what we're talking about here, to even begin to understand you know, what God's identification with the weak and oppressed and poor is, we need to know, we need to understand the life of Jesus Christ. We need to understand what Jesus was all about, to understand what it means to truly identify ourselves with the poor. And Paul, Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. I mean, what a plan. The king of the universe, the king of kings and lord of lords, at, at just a thought could wipe out armies, destroy the universe if he chose to. The king of king and lord of lords who owns and controls everything comes to earth and for our sake became poor. In Matthew 8, 20, Jesus warns one eager follower who said, I'll, I'll go anywhere with you. He says this to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. When Jesus was here, he identified himself with those who had nothing. He sent disciples out with very little to sustain them. You know, when, when, when you said you wanted to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this wasn't an easy thing to do. There were a lot of people who loved to follow Jesus and, and watch his miracles and he'd do all this cool stuff. They loved to follow him until he opened his mouth. And the Bible says they went away because they said, this is hard teaching. Who could accept it? This was cool when he was healing, healing the blind and raising people from the dead. But all of a sudden he turns to me and he says, this is what I expect from you. And people scatter. He sent his disciples out with very little to sustain them. In Luke chapter 9 in verse 3, it says this. Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. See, Jesus calls, Jesus calls us to a bold, unorthodox, radical faith. That's what he's calling us to, not just then, but now, a bold, radical, unorthodox faith that is expressed in caring for those in need. It doesn't matter if it's right here in our own church, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your nation, or around the world. Jesus is calling us to this bold, radical, and unorthodox faith that reaches out to those in need wherever they are. And I'll tell you something, it doesn't have to be someone who's completely poor. It could be some, one of the richest people in your neighborhood, but they are going through a difficult time. Maybe they're poor in spirit. Maybe they're bankrupt emotionally. Maybe they're going through the most difficult time in their lives. It doesn't matter how much money you have, this still applies because God is saying, reach out to those who are weak. When you are emotionally distraught, when you're going through a horrible time, when you lose someone close to you, that is the time that God says, reach out and show love, show compassion, open up your heart, invest in their lives, rich, middle-class, or, or, or poor. God is compassionate and concerned with those who are in need, who are going through a difficult time. Now, specifically, Jesus is talking about the, the poor, monetary, the poor. But this applies across the board when it comes to meeting the needs of the people in your own community and around the world. We need to meet the felt needs of those all around us. Because I'll tell you something, if you're poor but you know Jesus Christ, you're better off than being rich and not knowing him and being poor in spirit and, be, and having no relationship. And it, it encourages us, the Bible encourages us to reach out and to, and to give a hand up to those who don't know Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting here, too, as, as I was reading through this and studying this. It, it, it makes it, it's absolutely clear that, 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 that Jesus preaching to the poor was his way of identifying himself as the Christ, as the Messiah. Jesus uses 
his preaching to the poor. He specifically lays it out as a proof that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 5, it says, When John heard in prison what Jesus was doing, he sent his disciples to him uh, to, to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? This is what Jesus replies. He said, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear and the dead are raised from the dead. And the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus is saying, this is how you, I, I'm identifying myself as the Messiah. This is proof that I'm the Messiah. He's preaching good news to the poor. He's raising people from the dead. He's healing the blind. He's making the lame walk. That's his answer back to John. Are you the one or should we be waiting for someone else? And Jesus says, no. I am the one, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, and here is how I can show you. Here is my proof. Now, I want to go back to a text that we originally touched on because it's the clearest statement of Jesus' identification with the poor. It's Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40, through, through, I'm going to read 35, 36, and 40. It says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now, let's stop for a moment. Just try as best we can as human beings. Let's just stop for a moment and try to grasp the implications of of feeding and clothing the king of the universe. That when you do whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. You're doing it for me. Can, can, we, even, can we even comprehend what that means? To clothe and feed the, the king of the universe, the God of all? I mean, it's, it's difficult for us to even comprehend it. All we can really do is, is, is look at those in need with new eyes, from a new perspective, and, and make sure that we are doing everything in our power to end their pain, to ease their suffering, to heal those who are hurting. That's what we can do. Try to see those who are in need with new eyes. Because when you are helping someone in need, when you are clothing someone in need, when you're visiting someone in prison, when, when you're feeding someone, when you're giving someone something that, is, that you cherish, that you're giving up that thing or whatever it is for that person because you know they need it, you are literally giving that gift to God. I mean, can you compre- I mean, theologically, biblically, whatever word you want to use, can you even comprehend what it means that you are clothing and feeding and helping and, and, and giving to the king of the universe? Because that's what Jesus is saying. It's exactly what he's saying. So before that day comes, we need to ask ourselves, are we doing all that we can to invest in the kingdom of God? Am I doing everything that I can right now in my life to invest in the kingdom of God, to give it to God, to give it all to him? It's important to understand that if we are going to follow the example of Jesus Christ, if we want to truly follow his example in this area, it doesn't start on the outside. It starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. Jesus Christ is not an outside observer of the pain of those who are suffering. He is intimately involved in their suffering. When people say when they're going through a difficult time or when something happens, you know, where is God? 
He is right there feeling everything that those people are going through. We need to understand that Jesus experiences the pain of the lonely. He enters into their loneliness and feels their pain. Jesus Christ feels every tear that runs down the face of someone who is suffering. He feels the tear. He enters into that. He's intimately involved in it. Jesus Christ looks through the eyes of every single child who loses a parent or every single parent who loses a child. Jesus Christ experiences that with them. Our God enters into our pain. Our God suffers with us, along with us. And, and, and if we are going to be like our Savior Jesus Christ, then we need to enter into the suffering of those around us. Not, not throw Bible verses from a distance. Now, that's a great verse. I use it all the time. But all things work together for good, brother. You know, sometimes we kind of just throw Bible verses at people because we really don't want to enter into their suffering. We have enough suffering of our own. Why should I want to enter into your suffering? But that's what God calls us to do, to feel what other people are going through to try to experience what they're experiencing. Why? So that we can serve them with our whole heart, so that we can pray for them with passion and conviction. I mean, if you truly experienced what someone else was going through, you would, your, your prayer life would, would be radically transformed. It would be changed forever. You know, we need to ask ourselves, if we are his body, if we are the church, then shouldn't we be doing everything possible to help, to heal, to encourage those who are in need? Shouldn't we do everything we can to to heal those, to help those people, to just invest in their lives and and bring them hope? Shouldn't we, we do everything in our power to bring hope to those who are in such desperate need? We need to grasp, we really do, as, as the body, not just this body, as the body of Christ as a whole, but let's just focus on ourselves. It's easy to get outside of here and talk about everybody else. But we need to grasp what the the least of these truly means to God. We need to understand, we need to understand internally, cognitively and in our hearts, we need to understand what what the least of these, whatever you did for the least of these, how much they matter to God. Because once we understand it, once we understand it, we we can act upon it. We can act upon the knowledge that we have. We will be transformed. We will be different people if we can truly grasp and understand how much the least of these matter to God. And as we give of ourselves, as we sacrifice of ourselves, of all that we have to invest in the lives of those who are in need, how God will then come around us and do things in our lives that are truly extraordinary that are amazing, things we've been looking for all of our lives. And this, is, and this is extremely important. We need to believe, you and I need to believe that the investment that we're making in the lives of other people, we need to believe that it's making a difference. We need to believe that our actions and our attitudes and our efforts are having an impact on other people. We need to believe that God is going to use the gifts that we have and use the resources that we have and use the talents and abilities that we have to impact the lives of those in need. There's nothing worse than thinking that you're, what you're giving is not useful, is not impactful. But we need to believe that it is. And my friends, it is. It is. It's, I can tell you right here in our church, it certainly is. 
the kinds of things that we've been able to do over the last nine years have been extraordinary because we've sacrificed, we've gave of ourselves, we've given of our resources, and God has truly blessed us and shown us and said to us, believe me, what you are doing is having a tremendous impact on this church, on this community, and around the world. We need to believe that in our hearts. You know, I, I, I know we face economically difficult times. I, I know that. No question. Some people are sitting here wondering if, if they're going to have a job tomorrow or next week. Other people are wondering how long their savings are going to last. It is a very, very difficult time. But spiritually, spiritually, it, now is the best time for us as a church to step up. Right now is the best time, is a unique time for the body of Christ to step up. You may never have, listen to me, you may never have a better opportunity in your entire life to trust God than right now. I would, I've been thinking about this. You know, we go through this t- difficult economic time and we're all kind of like off balance and what's going to happen and what's going on in the country and, and we think about all these things. And I started thinking, you know, there's not a better time than right now to trust God. While others are shrinking back, we can truly experience the power of God. This is where God begins to really work in our lives. While the rest of the world is, is holding on and, and hoarding and, and, and hiding, we can make a statement of faith. We, our faith can stand out in the midst of the darkness and all the confusion. God can bring clarity and our faith can make a statement. You know, it's, listen, it is not during the good times that your faith is challenged. During the roaring 90s, if you will, our faith was not challenged that much when it comes to some of these other things that are going on. It is not during the good times that your faith is challenged and that your trust in God is tested. It is during times such as these that you have an opportunity, that your trust is, is tested and that your faith is challenged. It is times such as these. We need to stop for a moment, if you would. Do me, do me this favor, if you would, in your own life individually. You need to stop and reflect right now, this week, sometime this week, on your own spiritual walk. Because the mirror may never be clearer than it is right now. You need to take the time during this crisis, if you want to call it that, to look at yourself in the mirror. Because you may never have that kind of clarity again. It may never be this clear again. Because we may, may never suffer through the, the difficulties that we're suffering through as we are right now. And we, we need to be able to look at ourselves and ask God, God, how can you use me in a powerful way? We need to believe God and just trust his word. We need to believe him and take him at his word. Right now, now is the time to do that. Now. Now. 2009, now's the time to take, to believe in God and trust him at his word. In Philippians chapter four and verse 19, after the church sacrifices to meet all of Paul's needs, Paul says this, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That means if I sacrifice for the kingdom of God now, God will meet all of my needs. Cricket goes off, whatever. Do you believe that? 
I mean, come on. We sit here, we come to church, come to the door, come into church. Now it's church time, you know, for the next hour. And Jeff's going to get up. Pastor Jeff's going to get up and say, preach gospel kind of stuff and out of the Bible. And he's going to say, trust God. And so this is what Paul says. Paul says that God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And the question I'm asking is, do I believe that? Do I personally really believe that if I sacrifice that God is going to meet my needs through Christ Jesus? Do we believe that? I mean, to really believe that, you know, I, I think to me, it's time to do something radical. It is time to do something unorthodox. It's time to do something bold now, now, bold, unorthodox, radical. Uh, that's what we need to do. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because right now, during all this confusion, all the frustration, all the uncertainty, our children are watching to see what we're going to do. Our community is watching. Our world is watching. Our God is watching to see if our actions are going to back up our words. Man, we can get it from the pulpit, we can pound away, and we can talk, and we can have passion, and we can talk to our neighbors and our, our co-workers about Jesus Christ and how he's going to change their life and how he matters so much to us and has the most important thing and how we trust God with all of our heart. We can sing praise songs to God that have been written by wonderful people, and we just get all the goosebumpy and everything else. But the question is, the question is, are we going to live out what we say we believe because our children right now are watching? Watching how we handle this, what we do during this time, during the difficult times. Our world is watching to see how we're going to handle this during the difficult times. Our God is watching to see how we, not anybody else outside of Grace Chapel, how this church is going to respond during this difficult crisis right now. So here's what I want to do. I want to take a special offering this morning, but don't get all nervous on me yet. I want to take a special offering, a bold, radical, unorthodox kind of offering. Here's a card on your seat. In your family news bulletin, it should be on your seat. There's a little card there, a little envelope. Here's what I want you to take that home. So before before you even think about anything else, you're going to take this home. We're not going to take it this morning. not going to get everybody, oh, yeah, ho, ho, give me some money. That's not what I'm talking about. That has nothing, that's not what we're talking about. This needs to be bold. This needs to be radical. This needs to be unorthodox. This needs to be something the Holy Spirit talks to you about. This needs to be something dynamic in your life. Uh, And it may mean, for some of you, it may mean, it may mean you write a check that stretches your faith. That you're going to do, you don't have a job, you're still going to do something that stretches your faith. It may mean that you're going, maybe maybe you're going to sell something, you're going to give something that can be sold that is something meaningful to you, but it's, but it's, it's, it's outside of what you would normally do. It's radical, it's bold, it's unorthodox. You think for yourself, some of you are very creative. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it is stepping outside of your comfort zone and actually doing and serving in a place that you would never think of before. You've thought about it, but fear has always stopped you, and you said, you know what, now's the time. Now's the time when things are, are, are crazy and things are unnecessary. Uh, uneasy and things are unclear now's the time i need to stand up get out of my comfort zone and do something bold and radical and unorthodox for god now i don't know how god is going to speak to you i don't i don't don't really know that i just know that i am sick i'm sorry but i am sick and tired of the world telling me how i'm supposed to react during these economically difficult times I'm sick, and, I'm sick and tired of the world dictating to me how I'm supposed to respond during tough times. 
It's like, oh my goodness. I, I, it's like shrink back, pull back, hold back. That's what we're supposed to do. Hunker down. I wasn't, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me, but I wasn't created to think or, or, or live that way. I don't like shrinking back, holding back and, and, and pulling back. This is not a time to sh- show me in the word of God where it says we go through a difficult time. We shrink back, hold back and pull back. That's not what I'm all about. It's not how I want to live my life. I'm not going to waste the next whatever years while the government tries to fix an economic difficulty to do something bold and dynamic for Jesus Christ. Now is the greatest opportunity we may ever have in our lives to do something bold for Christ. Now is the best time we may ever have to trust him. And when this is all over, we can look back and say, during the most difficult time, we ever faced maybe in our family for a lot of different reasons we trusted god we trusted god we had faith in god we took god at his word now is the time and if you even are thinking even the slightest bit in your mind this is a great way in a difficult time for him to the church for 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 the pastor to talk about how i should give money to the church i'm going to tell you right now Please, I beg you with all of my heart, God knows my heart right now, don't you give a penny. Don't sacrifice at all because you'll be missing the point completely. This is less about giving money to the church and more about you and more about me. It is about us. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. It is about our faith. So if you're even considering, you even think there's any ulterior motives in my mind whatsoever, I pray with all of my heart, I wish with all of my heart that you don't do anything until God speaks to you and helps you understand what I'm really talking about. And it is about during the most difficult times of life. That is when we can prove. That is when we can show how much we love and trust God. That is when we can, we can get through this time and look back and say, you know what? I know who I am. I looked in the mirror during the most difficult time and I saw something I liked. Because when the chips were down, when things were difficult, I didn't shrink back, pull back or hold back. I stepped forward. My goodness, are we a pack of sissies or what? Are you, do you seriously want to wait around for the next two or three years for things to turn around before God's... Oh, come on, let's just play it fair here. Are we going to wait for two or three years for God to do something dynamic in our church when everything gets better? Baloney! Who cares what the economic situation is? Let's watch God do something great now in each of our lives. This will be the best time of our church's life if we step up in faith and trust and take God at his word. This will be our time. And when we come out of this, we can look back and say, God, thank you for using us in a powerful way. Thank you for using us. God, thank you for stretching our faith. Thank you for expanding our faith. Thank you for expanding our territory. Thank you for allowing us to reach out to the hurting and the lost and in the most difficult of times that we as a church did dynamic things in the most difficult time while other people are pulling back and, and hungering down and waiting for the storm to pass. How about we just plow through the storm? I don't want to wait for the storm to pass. I don't know about you. I'm just not going to sit around waiting for the storm to pass. Storms are good. They strengthen you. Lean forward. You know what? The wind's blowing. Just lean forward. Let's just lean forward and get through the storm. Not wait for the storm to pass. You need to decide for yourself what you want to do. And here's what I'd like you to do. Take that home and please do me a favor. Include your children. 
There are all kinds of statistics out. All oh, the church, we lose our kids in junior high and high school and kids aren't coming back to the church. You know why kids aren't coming back to the church? This is Jeff Greer's statistic, okay? All the other stuff laid aside. I read all the different books. The children don't come back to church sometimes because we go through times like this and we hunker down and we pull back and we shrink back and we hold back. And they look at us and say, what a, what a crock. Where is, where is their God where is their Jesus now? When things, are, when things were good, it's all about, ooh, praise the Lord. When things are difficult, where is their faith now? And you think I'm kidding. I, I was a youth pastor for 15 years, and I still talk to tons of students now. That's what they think. They're looking at you and saying, is this stuff real? Is this real? Is this God stuff real? It, when, when my life gets difficult, can I depend on God, or can I only depend on myself? That's the question they're, answer, they're asking. And darn it, we need to answer the question. We need to answer it boldly in an unorthodox way, in a radical way, and tell our kids and tell all those around us that our God is who he says he is. He will do what he says he's going to do. We can trust in his promises, and we are going to move forward regardless, regardless of what's going on around us. God's not up in heaven, my friends, wringing his hands because we're going through an economic difficulty. He's not. And I'm not down here on earth ringing mine either. We need to be bold. We need to be unorthodox. We need to be radical. It's not just about money. It's about our lives and how we're going to show our children and our church and our world and our, uh, who we are and who Jesus Christ is in us. So next week, I want you to, whatever it is, I want you to write it down in that envelope. I want you to, I want you, we're going to bring it to the altar next week. Now, if you're gone next week, I know it's 4th of July weekend. Then if you would email me, Tell me what you're thinking, even if you haven't decided yet. Let me know what you're thinking. Because I want to do is I want to share that with the rest of the body. Not you, what your name is. We don't have to share names because I know we need to do it quietly and secretly in a lot of ways. But I want you to think about with your family, what are we going to do during these times, these difficult times that is radical and orthodox? Get your kids involved. Let them see the power of God unleashed in your family's life. Let them see that happening. Make them a part of the process, a part of the decision making. Let them see you step out boldly in faith and do something. Just, just, just. You know that book, Crazy Love? Someone gave it to me. I'm going to read that book, Crazy Love. Let's do something crazy. You do something crazy. I'll do something crazy. And let's see what happens this summer. Let's watch God work in our lives. But it's all up to you. It's dependent on you. That's why I don't want to do anything this morning right now. Let's make the decision in our own hearts as we think it through in our lives and allow God to move in us. So we'll, next week, we'll bring these things back. If it's not next week, you can mail, you can mail your, your envelope to me, mail it to the church. You can bring it over and drop it off during the week or sometime in the office. I just want to gather them all together and see the kinds of things that God is doing. Here, here's what God may say to you. For some of you, God may say, don't take a tunic. Don't take any money. Don't take this. And he wants you to leave where you are right now. Maybe go on the mission field. It won't be the first time for people in our church. A whole bunch of people left our church to go all over the world on the mission field. And you may be thinking, oh, you may be thinking all this money thoughts or selling something or, you know what it may be for you? Something radical and orthodox or bold. And maybe that God has been calling you and you've been, you've been waiting. And now is the time where you're going to say, I'm going to step out in faith and do exactly what God calls me to do. My friends, you live but one time. Do what God has called you to do. 
Live the life that God has called you to live. Step out of your mediocrity and live boldly for him. Let's pray. Our gracious God and heavenly father, pray dear God that you would just, you would just speak to each of our hearts individually and as a family that we would sit down and look at our lives and make some changes, Lord God. Look at our situations and ask the questions, God, how can, I, how can I give to those who are in need? How can I sacrifice? How can I, how can I do something radical and bold in my life? God, I don't know how you're going to speak to the people here at our church. I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know, I don't know how you're going to say it. I don't know what, 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 what words you're going to use or experiences you're going to put people through, but I pray, dear God, that that would happen this week and in the weeks to come, that the kind of decisions that we make as a church would truly inspire those around us, that, Lord, whatever we decide to do, that those around us would be inspired by those decisions that our children would look at us as adults and say that this church really is living out the word of God and following the example, the perfect example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God, I, I don't know what it looks like, but I know something amazing is going to happen. So Father, speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Fill our minds. Speak through our children. And allow us to experience, to truly experience the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.